she will be in safely. Kelly Torres with the triple, and Duke takes the lead. Welcome to Softball Speak Easy, episode four. We are so excited about this episode. We'll talk Duke's dominance this weekend, and we'll show you Kelly's clutch hit to secure a huge win while I was on the call. We'll talk heading into ACCs and who's on Duke's radar, and then we will introduce a new segment called Softballers Anonymous, which we'll break down later in the show. And finally, we will get to some really amazing listener questions submitted by email. If you're new here, my name is Rain Wilson. I'm a former Duke softball player turned analyst and broadcaster. And I'm Kelly Torres, the current Duke softball catcher. Softball Speak Easy is a podcast that will be giving you a behind-the-scenes look at Duke's 2024 campaign through the eyes of my co-host, Kelly Torres. We'll be following storylines throughout the college softball season, and we'll aim to give you a next-level access into what it's like to play college softball at the Division One level with stories, laughs, and of course, we'll have some fun as we go along. How do you feel, Kelly? I feel great. I bet you're feeling great after the weekend you all had. So you all hosted the Duke Invitational. Villanova was in attendance. Boston University, Michigan State, and Elon were there. And you all served them some L's over the weekend. And I want to talk about that first. So 59 runs Duke softball scored in five games, 8-0 over Villanova, 4-2 against Boston University. We'll discuss that one later. 22-0 against Michigan State. Nope, not a football score. (laughs) 11-5 against Villanova. That actually ended early because they had to leave. Yes. And 14-0 against Elon. So, Mm -hmm. Kelly, let me ask you straight off the bat, what are your overall thoughts of the weekend? Overall thoughts, I thought we just came out hot. It wasn't only just hitting. I mean, our pitching staff was lights Mm -hmm. out as well. So, bats were hot. Pitching was hot. Defense... Defense got a little shaky. I think, overall, it was a great reflection of Team 7. Yeah, absolutely. Offense was amazing, but, I mean, Jayla Wright pitched incredibly well. Lily Walker came in and pitched well. You can go down the list. Everybody contributed and pitched very well. You know, we can talk about defense, but for young players out there, if you play two facets of the game very well, in this case, hitting and pitching, you're going to be successful. And that you were. But Mm -hmm. I want to talk about the Boston University game. Because that game by far was the closest. I was flying solo in the booth. I was calling that game, which was a challenging experience in and of itself, but very fun. And I know you all had a pretty challenging game. So I want to break down the scoring of that game first, and then we'll, we'll get into it. So BU, undefeated coming into the game. Very solid team, 13-0 on the year. They go up 1-0 with a solo shot in the second inning off the top of the wall. Duke ties it in the bottom half of the second, so 1-1. to And then in the fifth inning, Boston University goes up two to one with an infield single. Then bottom of the sixth, the BU pitcher had only given up one hit up to this point. Claire singled, Amina singled, and then guess who came up to the plate? My co-host, Kelly Torres. So Kelly, before I get your reaction to what happened, Mm -hmm. I want to play the video for folks and hear my call of your hit. Here's the 1-0 pitch. Swung on, belted to right field. It's going, it's off the wall. Davidson rounds third. Vega rounds third. She will try to score two. Torres will try to get to third herself, and she will be in safely. Kelly Torres with the triple, and Duke takes the lead. Do you know what part I'm laughing at? Which part? When I slide into third, I pop up 
Right. I pop up. I'm not, I'm not facing the dugout. I'm facing directly at the Boston University's third baseman. And I'm just like, <laughs> let's effing go. <laughs> Eye contact. Words like not even two feet apart. And it was oh just my God. raw emotion. And then I turned around. And I was like, yeah, like to the dugout. I don't know what came over me. It was just in the moment. I happened to turn that way. Dude, that was epic. And that was the the game-winning hit. Of course, Frankie later hits a sack fly to score you. But that was absolutely epic. And I thought, as the announcer on that, I thought it was gone initially. Uh, I thought you poked one off the over the right field fence again, which you've done before. But I want to ask you what your mindset was going into that at bat. Being down 2-1 to one to a team that you should be you should be beating and that pitcher Casey Ricard had pitched a gym that up to that point yeah so what was your mindset going into that at bat well we knew that she was throwing a lot of rise or even her curveballs have rise spin so going mm-hmm. into the at bat I knew I wanted to keep my barrel flat so if we look at that film again if you want you don't have to but I start <laughs> much more flatter than I usually do in my stance just so I can enter at a more level plane. So you're talking about, so for folks who maybe yeah. aren't watching, you're talking about the barrel of your bat as you're set up, as yes, it's behind you. as I'm you. set up. I probably usually have it at a 45 degree and it lets me just, you know, go through the zone, but she's throwing up. So my miss, I want to be, you know, on top of the ball or level to the ball. So that's why I had my barrel down. So was that a cue that you had already worked on pregame or is that a cue from Coach Wyke? Where did that come from to make that adjustment? Definitely Coach Taylor and I have talked about, I'm really good at the drop ball. I'm really good at a low pitch. Mm-hmm. I, I can get in my legs, but on a rise ball, I tend to like fly things off my barrel and it ends up like scurrying right and kind of like a slice mm-hmm. hit. So we talked earlier when we're facing a rise ball pitcher, it's better for me in my stance to have a flatter barrel. So that mm-hmm. was my adjustment going into the at bat. And so honestly, I wasn't trying to do too much. I was trying to hit the ball hard and I was trying to hit the ball level. So if you see, I mean, I did my job. It was a line drive. If I got a tad bit more underneath it. It would have been gone, but yeah, it's absolutely. okay. I'm very pleased with the outcome. Yeah, as you should be. And for young players watching or maybe even current players, what would you say is your step by step guide to being clutch because you've been you were clutch in the BU game but you've been clutch all year so what's your step-by-step guide I do think it's just taking the game as this is one game one pitch one at bat and I've never really felt that just simplifying the game until this year and maybe it's just because it's my last year and I want to just be so present and so grateful with for everything I have so I went up there and I'm just like dang I I'm like I get to be here. Like I am put in yeah. this position and I I get to be the one to do this for my team. And that get to be or that it's it's only one pitch. I only have one moment. I think has just taken the pressure off my back and it's sea ball hit ball at this point. Yeah, that's amazing. And you all did not stop the hitting parade after yeah. that game. So you all went on to win that game four to two. You take that momentum going into the next game, which was very late at night. It was cold, but the bats were hot. Bats were hot against Michigan State. And the ending score, the final score was 22 to zero. I was on the call for that one as well. And I have to ask you, so it was 19 to zero in the bottom of the third to give some context you know at the youth level you step off the bag and you give them outs and you get off the field was there any part of you that wanted to do that because I, I was trying to explain to folks 
yesterday like that you don't really do that in college because it's almost more disrespectful to them to like let them have mercy that does that make sense or like what are your emotions and thoughts about that when it gets to that point you're just playing the game right yeah i'm I'm, we're not gonna go up there and take you the foot off the bag like you would in travel ball i think that's disrespectful i think it's more respectful to keep playing your game and uh, i don't want to be rude but those are the games that you're like, let's bring our stats up. Let's break some records. Mm. So I'm sorry, Michigan State, that they were the ones who got the the wrath of the Blue Devils. But ooh, did we get two Grand Slams that game? Was Two Grand Slams, two? yeah. So I, we've had six Grand Slams, and it's only been three weeks into the season. I don't know if that's some type of breaking record in Duke softball history. Five yeah. different players, six Grand Slams. We need to search something up because I think that broke a record. So games like that might be a little uh, it's all it's the nice you, you know it's respectful to play your game yeah it's absolutely respectful to play your game like during that it's really hard to fill the air because not only was I by myself but it was such a lopsided game but I, I said something along the lines of like and those moments for both teams you have to get the most out of it right like you have to if you're down 10-0 you're up 10-0 can you still lock in? Can you get a benefit out of that game of some kind? And I think for you all, you all did just that. And I think for Michigan State, I think if I'm their head coach or I'm part of that program, it's like, okay, that's a moment defining in our program. It's a defining moment for us. Are we going to go up? Or are we going to let that kind of beat us down? But overall, the weekend, BU was definitely the best opponent, I would, I would say, and I'm sure you would agree with that. But besides Oklahoma, what team would you say – has been the hardest opponent. Boston, I think Boston was the first game that we were down late into the game. Rutgers, we were also down, but I think we evened that out and got ahead, and it wasn't really a fight after that. We were ahead, and it kind of stayed constant. But BU punched back. They are a very fast, little mighty team because they're constant. They're consistent. They put the ball in play. So I would say Boston was definitely, so far, the hardest team after OU. Yeah, I was so impressed by them. And their numbers are pretty insane, too. Mm -hmm. Going into it undefeated, four of their players are batting above 450. But they'll be a problem as the year goes on. And they have my vote in the top 25 for sure. This weekend is a whole new chapter in Duke softball season. You all start ACC's, ACC conference play, Atlantic Coast Conference. So what is your mindset going into ACCs? Does anything change? It does. I kind of think of ACCs as a completely new season, kind of like you break it up into three. We got preseason, season, and postseason. ACCs matters, you know, like games will matter. Of course, preseason does as well, but this is going to, where are you going to rank in the ACCs? Are you going to be hosting? Are you going to be a number one seed in the tournament? So this is when games start to matter. Um, we start out with Syracuse. We'll hopefully start planning Tuesday. I know we will. I'm not going to say hopefully because we will. That's going to now be our process in practice where we start each week prepping for a team on the weekend, play them, come back and then start another prep. Yeah. And for fans out there, too, it's completely different because when you're playing one team three times, you prepare in a completely different way than if you play four different teams on the weekend. So a brand new challenge for you all. And I have to ask you, what teams in the ACC are the highest on your radar? Honestly, FSU. FSU is always going okay. to be there. Clemson um, and UNC. I put UNC mm. up there this year. Mm -hmm. I think they surprised a lot of people in the Clearwater Invitational. There's always been this. I mean, it's Duke and UNC. Which one is the best blue? 
And I think they can really put up a fight this year. And I'm excited to finally have, ah, it, not to be mean, but a competitive game against UNC. Years past, it's always been like it's a rivalry game. So anything can happen. Like any team can win mm -hmm. on a rivalry game. But this year, it'll be like two really good teams going at it and yes. the rivalry added on top. And I think they come in with a little bit of chip on their shoulder, too. Like they do. No, no, no. Like. We're not the little brother, you know, they're going to come in fighting. I'm really, really excited to see to see that series. And speaking of keeping your eyes on the other ACC teams and who's on your radar, do you find yourself keeping an eye on co the college softball landscape in general? Or do you kind of just block out the noise and focus on Duke? I like it. I mean, this is this is the time of year where you're like just catching up on what's coming up next. Who's playing like Stanford, Texas was insane just I might not have time to watch the games but I'm definitely keeping up with who's winning who's losing who's dropping who's moving up what teams have impressed you this year so rain the teams that have impressed me Texas I, I just see them everywhere I think I just saw an Instagram video of one of their hitters like hitting over 600 and they're playing yeah. Stanford. So that's impressive. I also think Virginia Tech is a little sneaky this year and I don't think mm -hmm. they're given the same amount of love that other schools have been given. So Virginia Tech, the Hookies are definitely someone to watch. They might get mad at you for calling them the Hookies, but what are they? The ho good. What are Hookies? <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> you know what but we're a little bit of rivals so it's okay <laughs> yeah no but they played really well I could not agree more I have yeah. I have Virginia Tech super high on my rankings and Texas too I watched the Texas versus Stanford game this morning and wow I mean Texas came in with a game plan against Nyjah Kennedy and yeah. that's what you have to do you have to have some kind of game plan because you're not going to score 10 runs off her and they I thought they they executed it pretty well even though she is in my opinion the best pitcher in the country I back you up on that so Virginia Tech has been impressive Texas hasn't been impressive they're both ranked in the polls so softball America has you all at number four D1 mm -hmm. softball has you at number five ESPN and NFCA haven't come out with their polls this week yet and we're we're filming this on Monday do you agree with those rankings and if you don't where should Duke be I agree with the rankings I agree that we haven't played any like we haven't played Texas we haven't played anyone above us so we can't be mm -hmm. ranked higher to them but we haven't lost and we We've been scoring some runs. So I agree. I think Duke softball should be at four and five. You all have blown out the majority of your opponents, but you've also had those opportunities for adversity and then you've you've beat that adversity. So I think that's also telling you all have my vote as number four this week, too. So I agree, too. But let's move on to one of our favorite segments. We're only going to do one of these today, but we're going to keep rolling with no dumb questions. So this one actually comes from a listener question that was sent via email. If you want to send your own listener questions, you can find our email on the link tree and contact us. The listener asks, what's going on in timeouts? In the dugout question mark? In the circle question mark? Is the conversation about technical strategy or morale question mark? I think it depends on the situation. I think there could be strategy and there could be just team morale. Strategy could be Let's say there's a first, third play. You know, what play do we want to do? Do we want to cut? Do we want to go all the way to two? Let's play back. Let the runner on third score. We just want outs. It could be things like that. But then it also can be like, look, we're tense. Let's release. Like, 
or maybe the other team just had two hits in a row and we want to stop their momentum. Timeouts can be both both ways. Yeah, short answer is it depends. That's a it and depends. that's a really good question cuz we're like what are they talking about out there? It yeah. can be a variety of things. Sometimes in those timeouts, it could just be a a quick little joke. Maybe who's on the mound like it could be Cass and she's all tense. I make a little joke and she laughs and you know that's what 5 seconds you go back and the next pitch goes. So, timeouts can just be a variety of things. You you do this naturally, but understanding who you're talking to and what your pitcher might need or what your defense might need, you understanding that Cass might need a joke to lighten her up or that Jayla or Lily or Sophie or Danny might need something completely different. And that is the role of the catcher. And you, you've always done that very well. So that was our no dumb question of the week. And the reason we're only doing one is because we have a brand new segment that we are so excited about. It is called Softballers Anonymous. In our link tree, you'll find Softballers Anonymous. You can click on that link and you can submit your wildest softball stories, whether it's about a crazy game, an umpire interaction, a crazy coach, anything you can imagine. And it will be anonymous unless, of course, if you want us to include your name, write that in your submission. But we want all perspectives. We want a player's perspective. We want parents' perspectives. We want coaches. So if you're listening out there and you want to submit your anonymous submission to Softballers Anonymous, we will read it during the episode and we will react to it. And again, you can find that in our bio at SB Speakeasy on Instagram wherever you find us and come with the tea because i want to hear some crazy Ooh. stories yeah we are so pumped about softballers anonymous and to hear the tea and react to the tea so please please share the tea and this next one is not a new segment but one of our favorite segments listener questions this one was submitted through our email which you can find again in our link tree and it's what is campus life like for a duke athlete do the athletes develop friendships across teams when you're all on campus training in the summer for example, do softball players meet volleyball players preseason? Question mark. I am a little biased. I think life here is pretty great. Softball is a little unique, though, in this, you know, little relationship on Duke. So mm -hmm. especially my freshman year, we came in, it was COVID. And already yeah. before yeah. that, the softball team didn't really have friends outside of softball. No, Not in any bad that. way. They just really liked each other. And we're what like, you talk I was there. I can speak on that. Okay, what friends that, did we have? I, you guys were never friends. With, yes. What friends did you guys have? <sighs> Listen, it's a very complex, complex situation. Okay. See? When I came on campus in 2017, the summer before the first season, we had no social branches anywhere. Like we no. were kind of trying to figure it out. There was no seniors who had already developed relationships with other teams or whatever. So we were trying to like, we were like winging it. And uh, shout out to Peyton St. George and Jazz Moreno and a couple others who like really extended the branch for us and made friends and a few of the other girls that were there even previously to that. And so they kind of helped us. We had, we had a good connection with football, um, good connection there. I know you all still have a good connection with them. Um, <laughs> Um, Great we had a good connection with them. We had a, you know, an initial friendship with baseball and you know what team, you know, what team is honestly in my career, the nicest and most welcoming and the most friendly men's lacrosse. Yes, I agree. I Dude, agree. <laughs> they throw the best parties. They're so welcoming. They're so much fun. They were awesome. I agree. And every, no, everyone is always welcomed at, you know, Laxmas and other things. Maybe this is too much little Duke Intel, but so many people, when they ask me about my experience at Duke are, they have seen the documentary about Duke lacrosse 
house and like the whole scandal. And I'm always like so happy to be like, no, those guys were like literally the nicest, like even in class, like they were always not always on time, but pretty much on time, smart, ask questions. Like I was just so impressed by them as like young men, like, and people were like shocked by that answer, but it's hundred percent true for me. So I wonder what your experience is like now. No, same, same experience. Um, men's lacrosse by far are gentlemen. Every other sport, we're, we're friends with everyone this year. I think we've grown, but we just don't have like you know, like baseball and softball aren't as most baseball and softball teams should be. Um, lacrosse is hang out together. The soccer is hang out together. I feel like football hangs out with women's basketball. The basketballs hang out together. So, but I feel like softball is just like sprinkled. Like we'll hang out with basketball. We'll hang out with football. We'll hang out with, you know, track maybe sometimes. I also think softball is just like you get really close with your team and there's yeah. nothing wrong with wanting to hang out with your team. So mm -mm. I want to put that out there. Yeah. But campus life for Duke athletes is pretty darn good. I would say pretty or darn was good. for me and I'm sure it was for you. Yeah. I mean, I wish you guys can see what I'm looking at right now. It's gorgeous. The only thing I can complain about is the weather. If this school mm. was just like you know, in Florida on the beach. Wow. It would be paradise. <laughs> Durham's great though. I love Durham. Durham's a cool uh, spot. You so don't like great. it? It's not. Uh, I. It's not I think Florida. it's the weather. I know you're Miami, Miami. I know, I know. <laughs> it's the weather. I would love Durham if, I don't know, the rain, it's raining here and it just doesn't rain for a couple minutes. It like rains the entire day and it's never a downpour. Just a steady little sprinkle. Girl. Girl, you need to go to the Pacific Northwest. I'm telling you. I know you're a Miami girl, so you you know. Miami. But either oh, way, you Miami. <laughs> either way. What is this? Campus life at Duke is great. And then to answer this question, do athletes develop friendships across teams? Absolutely. In terms of developing friendships and hanging out with other teams, I have a question for you, Kelly. And this is my question. Okay. Who is your favorite team to hang out with? In this current moment, it will have to go to track. My good friend Haley Williams is on track. Shout out. Shout out, Joe Trahan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, hopefully they're listening. If not, maybe track isn't my favorite team. And then <laughs> it would have to go to who's number two? Football. I, I have to go to football. I feel like we have a lot of friends on football. Heck yeah. And Duke football crushing it. Track field crushing it as well. Duke's just crushing it all around. All right. But our next question is another interesting one. Are there team captains? How are they selected? And how do the upperclassmen bring the first years and transfers closer? So I want to ask you first off of this question, your perspective coming in as an underclassman. And then I want to hear your perspective now as a senior to this question. Me coming in as an underclassman on this perspective, I would say you're not really... I, you don't really know the girls that well. So who has influenced you, impacted you the most in those first couple of months? And then we do a vote for team captains. It's like a Google form. Who has taken you out to eat? Who has taken the time to get to know you? Who brings the energy? Who leads by example? There are so many different types of leaders out there. You can be the role mm -hmm. model. You can be the voice. You can be the unity person, you know, bringing everyone together. So that's kind of how Duke softball does it. Um, as an upperclassman now, I know the girls better. I obviously have been here now for four years. I kind of know how it goes. So who follows the rules? Who implements the rules and 
Yeah, those are usually what his name is team captain. And then the the question, how do the upperclassmen bring the first years and transfers closer? It's like the social events, if I'm going to be honest. During the fall, we're not in season. Hey, let's hang out at the upperclassmen house. We all get together. We do a little get to know them. We have this thing called hot seat that was started <laughs> when rain was still here because I once <laughs> sat in the hot seat. And it is fun. It brings the team closer together for sure. But that's just one thing I could think of a thousand. We went to a water park over the fall and that was super fun. So I would be curious to know if this is still happening. But when we were team one trying to develop the culture, trying to figure out who we wanted to be, like we were a bunch of freshmen and sophomores trying to figure this out. Plus a couple grad students. Shout out to Jill Ferraro for being that that token grad student and great captain she was, but we had a meeting actually with the lacrosse captains. Did you, do you know the story? No, I don't. Oh my gosh. Okay. So we, so we were kind of figuring it out. Right. And so the, the men's lacrosse captains came over to the softball stadium and came into the conference room and they sat at the front and they were talking about what they do, like how they build their culture. And it was when a freshman gets in trouble for, X, Y, or Z. The question that the head coach asked them is not, what are you doing, freshman? The question is, seniors, why aren't, why weren't you with him? Why weren't you looking after him? Mm-hmm. You know? And, and it started for them with inviting freshmen out to dinner, inviting them to go work out, like putting their arm around them, having their back. And I remember feeling very, like, very sure that that's exactly who we want to be. We want to be exactly what they're doing. The question isn't, why did the freshman mess up? It's, why are you seniors letting that freshman go that way? And so that was a super impactful meeting early on. And we also met with the field hockey team and the field hockey coach. And I asked the head coach about, you know, her philosophy. And she was like, we're just trying to be the best women on campus. B-Walk, I think they called it. And that's another piece we took. So we took all these pieces from all these successful teams and tried to like lay a foundation. And so I'm curious, do you feel like that is part of the culture now or has it completely just kind of kind of worn off? No, I think I was in awe when you were saying all those things because I still see it play out. And I remember being a freshman and being, you know, like, Rain, you took me under your wing. Rachel took me under her wing. All of you guys took me under. I think this year it's a little different. It is only because there's only two freshmen. Lynn is very close to G, Jada. Like, she's whoosh, taken under the wing. Honestly, Amaya's like my little girl. Like, I don't know if you ever see, like, I think I've sent you selfies or something. It's just like, like, Amaya, I feel like I go and do karaoke night with Amaya. Or we went to this little, like, underground music thing. And we've really found joy of, like, dancing and music. And we have that in common. We like to do photo shoots. So, it's it's different in a way of like it just came naturally because there was only two I feel like last what three years ago it was more of like everyone hung out together and so it was a big group this year it's like who do you click with most and like it's not a huge hangout but it's rather like small groups if that makes sense yeah that totally makes sense and it makes sense that your freshman year was we were all together because we had to be because of COVID Mm -hmm. so that makes sense completely so I'm glad to see that it's still kind of the roots of it are still there because at the time we were we were struggling and trying five five minutes early to everything front two rows that's that's wow, still, still uh, going in Duke softball so I'm glad and I hope for 
20 years from now that the roots that you are setting for that team are, are still there because it's it's a pretty special feeling as an alumni to look back and see where the program is and and hope you had some kind of impact but Regina Lee submitted those listener questions so thank you so much Regina for sending us those via email remember you can submit your listener questions or softballers anonymous through our link tree which you can find after you follow us at SB Speakeasy on Instagram X all the platforms we just dropped a bonus bonus episode a couple days ago with Peyton St. George and Caroline mm-hmm. Jacobson with Athletes Unlimited. So go check that out if you haven't already. And please, if you're feeling kind, leave us a like and rate us five stars wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much for watching, listening, viewing, and subscribing. We appreciate mm-hmm. you and we'll see you next week on the show. Mm-hmm.